Many of you may not know who I am, so let me tell you a little bit about me. First, I'm a family man and an attorney. Second, I believe in holding elected officials accountable for their actions and in fiscal responsibility. And third, I am committed to making sure that Houston Community College reaches its full potential because that's what Houstonians expect and deserve. My name is Brandon Cofield and I'm running for Houston Community College trustee for District 3. This is the day the Lord has made. Come on, let's rejoice and be glad in it. I greet you today in the grace, peace, joy, and love of God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Love to the family. Thank God for that love that we can share with one another. I'm Dr. D.Z. Cofield, senior pastor here at the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church of Houston, Texas, and I want to thank you today for the privilege of your time. In the midst of everything that's going on in life, dealing with both global grief and personal grief, struggles many of us are dealing with as the circle around us grows closer in terms of people that we know who have been challenged by, if not dead because of COVID-19. We're dealing with so many emotions, so many things, the economy, but here's the good news. God is still on the throne and our hope should be in him. Now, whatever platform you are watching us on, like us, share us with family members and friends, let them know there's never been a better time for hope. Because it's our goal not to become a big church or for you to make me a big preacher. Man, our goal is to help you become the biggest and best Christian that you can possibly be. We want you to walk in victory and not as a victim. We want to help you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we thank you for this opportunity to encourage you to be the best that God has created you to be. Our scripture reading today comes from Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 17, and we'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Romans chapter 12, verse 17 begins, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. I've read for you Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21. This is the word of the Lord. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for a day that we've never seen before. 
and a day that we will never see again. We pray now that our worship on this digital platform will be acceptable in your sight. God, not that others will watch us worship, but that it will help facilitate their worship. That it would help facilitate worship, not as an event, but as a lifestyle. Challenge us to live a life that is pleasing to you every day of our lives, beyond just our gathering moments with the body of Christ. That our lives would be pleasing to you. We love you, and we ask all of these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, just a couple of reminders. First of all, it is voting time, and I want to encourage you, please, ma'am, please, sir, to get out and vote. Exercise that right. Now, this voting uh, time is a time of historically low turnout, uh, in part because we're not voting for a mayor, we're not voting for a president. Uh, the, the majority of city council members are, are, are in place. Uh, so we don't typically take these elections that seriously and, and there's not a lot of money being spent. But I want to encourage you to get out and vote. And if you see somebody with the last name Cofield on the ballot, vote for him, all right? That's my youngest son who's running for Houston Community College position three. And uh, really, really am encouraged by him that he's taken on this mantle to enter into the fray to become a public servant. And so uh, cover him in believing prayer if you do nothing else. Also want to encourage you to know that the first Sunday in November, the first Sunday in November, we will have in-person worship. Now we're still gonna be here on the digital platform, so don't worry about that. We will be here to present to you the Word of God the same way that we have been, and we'll be presenting the same Word. But the first Sunday in November, we will have in-person worship. Now, you can go to the website below, and you can register to come to that service. Uh, we want you to be vaccinated. We want you to be vaccinated. I believe in being vaccinated. I just saw somebody, and they said, well, have you been vaccinated? And I said, all three, and I'm waiting for them to issue the fourth one. And I'm not playing. I'll be honest with you. I've gotten both of my vaccines, the Moderna vaccine, and got my booster shot already. And I want to encourage those of you who have not gotten vaccinated to get vaccinated. Man, what a tragedy. Family members and friends who are dying, who in some ways didn't have to, but many of them chose not to get vaccinated, or they've been around people who have chosen not to get vaccinated. So we have people's children and grandchildren the next generation behind us, sometimes two generations, who are asymptomatic, who have chosen not to get vaccinated because they're saying my immune system is good, but they're carrying around this Delta variant and they're passing it on to other people and they are contracting it and they are dying. So let's do our part, all right? Wear your mask, we'll be requiring masks here and uh, we'll be taking temperatures and, and the like, but really want to encourage you to get your vaccine, all right? So that's the first Sunday in November. First Sunday in November, we will be worshiping together as a family of believers. We have limitations in terms of the numbers of people that will be uh, welcome to come, uh, but we want you to know that you are welcome. And if you're not in the Houston metropolitan area, we'll be right here available to help you to get to know God in a better way. Remember, there's only two kinds of people in the world, people who know Jesus and people who need Jesus. So if you need them, we want to help you know them. And if you know them, we want to help you grow in him. All right? Listen, Elder Mark Taylor and the praise team are going to come now and help us to worship the Lord. Listen, allow the praise team to facilitate your worship. So as you are listening to them, uh, recognize that God is listening for you. He wants to hear your voice. And it's not about uh, the, the notes that you sing or the tone or timbre of your voice. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm part of that make a joyful noise crowd. And so I want you to lift your voices. Words are on the screen. Sing and give God the praise wherever you are. All right? Come on, let's worship the Lord together. 
Praise the Lord, everybody. David said in Psalm 34, verse 1, he says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Come on, put your hands together, everybody. And let's magnify him. Here we go. Yeah. Say magnify. Magnify. Make him great in this place. Bless the Lord, magnify him. Let's magnify him. Make him great. Make him great. Make him great. Yeah. Say, say he's greater than your problem. He's greater than your past. He's greater. Greater than everything. Oh, oh, magnify him.
Hallelujah. Oh, we bless your name, God. Oh, it's done. Yes, what I shall be, I already am. It's done. Oh, yes, it is. God has worked it out on my behalf. My eyes may not see it, but by faith I receive it. It will manifest. It's already done. Come on, help me say that. It's done, it's done, yeah, what I, what I shall be like, I already, it's done. it's done, God has worked it out on my behalf, God has worked it yeah. out on my, my eyes, my eyes may not see but it. Jesus. 
It's done. It's done. We are literally waiting by faith for the manifestation of what is a reality already in the presence of God. You see, God is not limited by time. We, we are limited by that fourth dimension, but God is not. He sees yesterday, today, and tomorrow all at the same time. And so it's by faith that we trust him and we profess and claim that it's done. Whatever it is that you've been praying for, whatever it is that you need God for, or you need God to do, profess it by faith and just wait for the manifestation of what God is doing in your life. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time today. Father, we bless you and we thank you for this day and for this time. I pray now that everything that is done will be pleasing in your sight and will bring glory and honor to you. We love you, we praise you, and we ask you to have your way. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Muhammad Ali versus Joe Frazier, the proclaimed fight of the century, March the 8th, 1971. Uh, Muhammad Ali versus George Foreman, October the 30th, 1974, the rumble in the jungle. Sugar Ray Leonard and Thomas Hearns, their first fight, September the 16th, 1981. Aaron Pryor and Alexis Arguello, November the 12th, 1982. And if you're a fight fan of any age, you probably remember that, that epic fight between Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hitman Hearns on April the 15th, 1985. I mean, it was, it was nonstop punches being thrown. What do all of these fights have in common, all of these boxing matches have in common? Well, these five appear virtually on every list of the top fights in boxing history. If you see a list with the 10 best fights in boxing history, these five are arguably on every list, whether they end it in a decision or a knockout, whether they lasted 12 rounds or 15 rounds, there's always going to be arguments over which fight was number one, but these five typically show up on every boxing aficionado's list as one of the top 10 fights of all times. But what would you say if I told you that none of these would qualify as the greatest fight ever. What would you say if I told you the greatest fight ever never took place in a ring, in an octagon, or on the street? What would you say if I told you the greatest fight ever could not be measured by moments or by rounds or by minutes but could only be measured by years. You see, my brothers and sisters, the greatest fight ever is never with a battle against you and an opponent or an enemy on the outside. The truth of the matter is, the greatest fight, the greatest battle that has ever taken place is the battle that you face and you engage in every day of your life when you try to overcome the enemy within. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7, beginning at verse 14, listen to what he says. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh sold under sin. For I do not understand my actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. 
Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. The apostle Paul says, man, there's a war going on. There's a fight going on, and it doesn't last moments. It doesn't last minutes. It doesn't last rounds. It doesn't even last days. Man, this war is an ongoing battle. It's a perpetual battle that's going on. When I would do good, evil is always present. That which I should do, I do not do. That which I should not do, I end up doing. And there's no greater place that this challenge is faced and this battle is fought than when, listen carefully, we have to do right when other people have done us wrong. No greater battle. It's a fight against your flesh. It is hand-to-hand combat. It's mano-a-mano. I mean, it's, it's you and your flesh going to war with each other. Today, I want to continue our series entitled Being a Believer Every Day. And I want to talk about how to win, living to win, the fight against your flesh. I want to talk about living to win the fight against your flesh. The question that you have to answer is, how do you win the fight with your flesh, especially when your flesh is telling you to disobey God, when it's natural for you to disobey God? Now, this final section of Romans focuses on the practical matter of serving God. And in particular, this text challenges us to realize we can't live for God and not fight our flesh. Our text today is Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And it challenges us that even when we see the worst in people, even when we receive the worst from people, that we still have an obligation to respond to them in a way that honors who God is. Paul shifts from talking about how we are to interact with other believers to uh, helping us to understand how we interact with those who do us harm and act as if they are our enemies, whether they are believers or not. See, I'm not naive enough to believe that you're not going to have believers act like they are your enemies. No, you're going to have enemies inside the house of faith and outside. But it doesn't matter whether they are inside or outside. It doesn't matter whether whether they are believers or unbelievers. Paul says you've got to learn how to respond to people when they do you wrong. Living to win the fight against your flesh. Here's the first thing I want you to see today. Number one, you are expected to conduct yourself in a godly way even when you've been mistreated by others. You are expected to conduct yourself in a godly way even when you have been mistreated by others. The ESV translation, Romans chapter 12, verse 17, look at what it says. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Anytime you seek to obey God, understand you are going to have enemies. You're going to have people who will come against you who will not be pleased. When the Lord was ministering on earth, Jesus had enemies. The apostle Paul and all of the apostles traveled, and wherever they went preaching the gospel, 
There were those who were not pleased with that preaching of the gospel because they didn't want to see lives change because those who were engaged in sinful endeavors were entrepreneurs of devilment, did not like losing business to those who had changed their lives. They became enemies of the gospel. And Jesus even warned in Matthew chapter 10, verse 36, that our worst enemies might come from our own households. Unfortunately, some people have enemies because they lack love and patience. But some of us have enemies because people just don't like us. They don't even need a reason not to like you. They just don't like you. And so here's the question. How will you respond when people do wrong to you? Some will do it intentionally, some will do it unintentionally. But Paul doesn't distinguish or differentiate between whether or not it was intentional or accidental. Paul says the issue is not why they did it, but what they did and how you are going to respond to what they did. Let me just tell somebody right now, you cannot control what people do. You can barely control how you respond. And Paul says, you and I have an obligation. We have a responsibility to respond in a way that honors God. Watch what he says. He says, repay, verse 17, no one evil for evil. That word repay literally means to render, to reward, to give back over to. He says, in other words, if somebody does you evil, it is not your job and you are not to come back at them with evil or give back to them what they gave to you. Most people, let's be honest, we want to return evil for evil. When somebody does us wrong, we want to get them back. Paul says you are not to give back to others the evil they give to you. You are to react in a way when people mistreat you in a way that honors or can be seen as honorable to those who are observing. Basically, Paul says, as a Christ follower, your behavior as a believer is not supposed to change even when people's treatment of you goes from good to bad. Paul says it doesn't matter how they respond. He says, what do you do? Now, here's, here's the distinction that I want to make for somebody today. When somebody does you wrong, our tendency is to want to react. And when we react, we are typically in our flesh. So you come at me, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute, whoa, whoa. Who you think you're talking to? You, you obviously don't know. You better ask somebody, right? Because if, if you push me up against the rope, I'm coming off the rope. I'm coming at you with everything I can, and typically, I'm going to do one of two things. I'm either going to come back at you with a force commiserate with what you exerted towards me, or if I really want to teach you a lesson and back you off, I'm going to come with more force than you came at me. So if you came at me at level three, I'm going to come at you at level six. You come at me at level six, I'm coming at level 10. You come at me at a 10, I'm coming back at you at a 20. Minimally, I'm going to get you off of me. But in the maximum, I want to come at you so hard that you will think three times before you ever think about coming at me the wrong way. Paul says no. Paul says no. You are never, as a believer, listen to me carefully, to react in your flesh. You are never to react in your flesh. Listen to what Paul says. Paul says, give thought. Look at the contrastive conjunction in verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Give thought. Now, that phrase, give thought, is, is a powerful word. Literally, it means to think or to meditate on before acting. Right? To think about what it is that you are 
contemplating doing, and because reaction is typically in our flesh, he says, back off. Uh, let me give you some thoughts. Maybe pray, meditate on it, maybe give it a day so that instead of reacting in your flesh in the moment, you can respond with faith and love as the Holy Spirit guides you. It is said that when people get angry or get upset, that they are typically functioning at half of their IQ. That when people lose their cool, even a person who is a certified genius, according to their IQ, cut it in half. And that person would be acting in a way that would not allow them to be, if it was their natural IQ, to be executed in the state of Texas. So here's what Paul says. He says, give thought. Think, pray, so that you can respond in a way that honors God and you. How do you respond in a way that honors God and you? Look at 2 Corinthians 8.21. For we aim at what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. What is the testimony when you respond in a way that honors God as opposed to reacting in a way that gratifies your flesh? See, when you react in that way, you are more committed to protecting your image than you are to obeying God. Let me say it again. When you react in a way, when somebody comes at you wrong and you come back at them wrong, you are more committed to protecting your image than you are to obeying God. And God says you've got to learn how to obey him. Proverbs 3, verses 3 and 4. Read it with me if you will. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Paul says you are expected to live in a godly way even when you are dealing with ungodly acting people. How many of you know it doesn't mean just unsaved people, right? Come on, let's be honest, because there are people who have given their life to the Lord who are being controlled by their flesh who may act in an ungodly way. And their ungodly acting has nothing to do with whether or not they have given their life to God. Both saint and sinner, if they're not careful, can act in an ungodly way. Um, I had an occasion, let me just confess this to you, I had an occasion where I was, I was really upset. I was really upset, and I felt like my anger was justified. I felt like it was justified. I felt like it was a righteous indignation because I was trying to do things to help people in the community, and the people that I thought would support me, the people who said that they would support me, turned out to not support me and didn't do what they promised to do. And man, I was, I was hot. I was hot as fish grease. And I literally went off publicly. I went off publicly. And one of the toughest things I had to do was, after going off publicly, was to apologize publicly. And I had to apologize publicly because the Holy Ghost wouldn't let me do anything else. And it didn't matter to me the perception of other people because there were people who were cheering me on when I went off. Man, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, man. That's my pastor. Yeah, yeah, standing up for what's right. Yeah, but I stood up for what's right in the wrong way. And then when I came back and apologized, there were people who were like, oh, man, that, man, you look weak when you did that, man. I can't believe that you did. And I wasn't concerned about whether I look weak or strong. I have a testimony. If, if I believe God is God and I'm going to obey God, then I have to obey him even when I feel offended, and I have to obey him when I offend others. 
How does returning good for evil help you live in an honorable way? How does responding to evil in a proper way help you and God with your testimony? Let me share with you these three things very quickly. A, when you respond to evil properly, you testify to the love of God for all people, even for those who do evil. When you respond to evil properly, you testify to the love of God for all people. When you respond properly, you are not only testifying to God's love for you and your trust in God, but you are letting the other person know that God loves them, that God loves them. I don't have to react. I can respond. I don't have to react in my flesh when I have control of my flesh, when I am winning the fight against my flesh. And my brothers and sisters, let me tell you, this is, man, this is easier said than done. But I've got to tell you, there's no greater victory, there's no greater discipline you can show than the discipline over yourself to check yourself and to make yourself do right. B, when you respond to evil properly, you display God's power to change anyone's nature. When you respond to evil properly, you display God's power to change anyone's nature. Does God have the power to change a person's nature, to change a person's life? Are you a witness? You become a witness to the life-changing power of God, not just by what you say, but by how you live, especially when you learn how to live godly in the midst of being mistreated by ungodly acting people. That's when you really show that God has power to change your life. Can I, can I tell you something? But If you have that reputation for going off and you start submitting yourself to the Holy Spirit and you start walking in the power of God, I promise you, I promise you, somebody's going to say to you, man, you all right? Sis, you good? You say, yeah, why? Man, because there was a time that you wouldn't have taken that. There was a time that you would have went off. Man, I'm, I'm shocked. And that's the time that you give God the glory, that you give God the honor. See, when you respond to evil properly, you respond in a way that glorifies God. When you respond to evil properly, you respond in a way that glorifies God. Can I ask you a question? Who is glorified when you react in your flesh? Who is glorified when you react in your flesh? I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that when you react in your flesh, God cannot be glorified. You may feel justified, but God is not glorified. But when you respond after prayer and meditation and cooling down, when you respond to evil properly, God is glorified. Now you say, how is God glorified? Because your testimony remains intact. See, when you react, can I tell you what the evildoer will do? When you react in your flesh, that's the time that that person who is doing evil will say, I thought thought you was a Christian. I I can't believe a Christian would say something like that. And you might be in your flesh saying, yeah, but you said it to me. And they say, yeah, but I'm not a Christian. (laughs) You you said you're a Christian. I don't even go to church. Or everybody knows I'm not that serious. But you say you're a child of God. See, when you do wrong, or when you respond to evil in the wrong way, you make Jesus Christ an unappealing Savior. He's an unappealing Savior because if if the Lord couldn't change you, then I don't need him in my life because he's not going to change me. If the power of the Holy Ghost can't do nothing with you, then I sure don't need that powerless 
Holy Spirit in my life. Look at Proverbs 24, verse 29. Do not say, I will do to him as he has done to me. I will pay the man back for what he has done. Do not say that. 1 Thessalonians 5.15, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. Blessed that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. There's a fight going on, but it's not in the boxing ring, it's not in the octagon. And it's really not on the street. It's inside of you. And God says, I need you to live in a way that you can win the fight against your flesh. But that can only happen when you're committed, more committed to obeying God than you are to defending your person. If you take it personal, and you make it about you, then you will always stay in your flesh. But when you make it about honoring and obeying God, my brothers and sisters, then and only then can you win the fight against your flesh. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for challenging us, God to win the fight against our flesh. Uh, it's a constant battle. And, and for somebody, God, who's listening right now, uh, just when they felt like they were doing better and getting better, another test came. And maybe they didn't pass the test as well as they could have or thought they would have. But God, I pray that you would remind all of us today that we are in the process of becoming the final product that you desire us to be. One day we will be presented faultless before your throne with exceeding great joy. But until then, God, we are just in the process of becoming. And so God, I pray now in the name of Jesus that we would continue to grow in you so that we would have more victories than defeats. And day by day, we would have more victory over our flesh than failure, that you would be honored in our day-to-day -day living. We love you and we ask your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Part of this idea of worship as a lifestyle is understanding that everything that we do in life is an act of worship. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, wait a minute, Pastor. I don't go to church every day. No, no, no. I, I didn't say the place of worship. I said you are a person who is worshiping every day of your life. You don't have to come to church to worship because everything you do is an act of worship. The question is not are you worshiping at the moment. The question is to whom are you giving worship? at that moment. So even when your feet go where they shouldn't go and your hands touch where you shouldn't touch and your mind thinks what it shouldn't think and your mouth says what it shouldn't say and your eyes see what it should not be looking at, all of those are acts of worship. The question is who's on the throne at that moment? Because when God is on the throne, then everything that we do affirms him as the king of our lives. And there's no greater challenge to whether or not we're going to obey God than when we have been done wrong by somebody else. So I want to encourage you today, my brothers and sisters, live to win the fight against your flesh.
Now, if you've never asked the Lord Jesus Christ into your life, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Uh, Somebody's watching right now, and you may think it was accidental that you came on this broadcast. You may think it was accidental that somebody shared this with you. Don't tune me out yet, because I want you to know it wasn't an accident. It was a God incident. In other words, God sovereignly orchestrated your life and brought you to this place in this time. I believe that. And God wants to do something wonderful in your life. Here's the thing that I've learned. God cannot do something wonderful in you, to you, and through you without your permission. He wants both your permission and your participation. So if you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, listen, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship with the God who loves you so much. He loves you where you are, but he loves you so much he doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to make something beautiful out of your life. If you would click on the link that says, I want to accept Christ, but how? I want to become a Christian. I want to become a Christ follower. I want to follow Jesus. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. I want you to click on that link and we'll show you how to ask the Lord into your life. Pray the prayer of salvation. If you're looking for a church home and you feel God leading you to become part of this church family on the digital platform, um, man, we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but we are just working hard to be all that God wants us to be so that we can help you become all that God wants you to be, so that you can fulfill your potential in Jesus Christ, so that you will hear him say, well done, at the end of your journey. Just say, I want to become part of the church. I want to join the church. And uh, man, we've had people every month uniting with our church, uh, some near, some far. And man, we have a big launch coming up in the first of next year to help facilitate your discipleship on the digital platform. I'm excited about it, and I hope you are as well. Six different ways that you can give here at the Good Hope Church to worship the Lord online on the digital platform, whether it's Cash App, Apple Pay, uh, Zelle, uh, whatever it is, whatever your pleasure is, uh, you can uh, give Lafay. You can give in any number of ways. Uh, We want to make it as easy as possible for you to be obedient in your stewardship, your stewardship of your time, your talent, your treasure, your temple, and your testimony. And so I want to um, say to you, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your giving. So many things are happening here at the Good Hope Church. Uh, We finally got our final approval, man, for our youth empowerment program. And we already have young men who are here on our campus, working on our campus, Um, Our food pantry, God is blessing and allowing us to continue to work hard to address the food insecurities of people in our uh, concentric circle of contact. Really important because uh, I think for many of us, we, we lament the fact that we don't have neighborhood churches, but part of the reason is because we do drive in church and drive through church and drive by church. But we don't recognize that there's a reason we're meeting where we are. And where salt and light gathers, salt and light needs to make a difference. And so we've, we've set this campus, 3015 North McGregor Way, we've set this community as our neighborhood. This is our parish. This is where we meet. And this is one of the places that we're going to impact. Now, there are other spots that we're impacting as well. But this is one for us because this is the place that God has sovereignly selected as our regular meeting location. Uh, Thank all of you for sharing with us. Wherever you are, man, please put it into the chat or drop us an email. Let us know. Uh, We have people who are watching from 134 different countries around the world. And, And man, I'm so appreciative that you honor us in giving us an opportunity to speak into your life to inform your head, inspire your heart, and encourage your spirit to become all that God wants you to be. And I'm grateful to God for this privilege. I'm, I'm really humbled um, by it. Um, and all I can say is thank you. And we're going to continue to do the best that we can 
to help you become the best that God wants you to be. Um, want to encourage you to become part of our life groups. Uh, life is an acronym, stands for living in fellowship every day. And whether you are near or far, um, you can enter into a life group via the Zoom platform. And if you're interested in that, just drop us a note, register for that, and we will be happy to include you. Um, again, exciting things happening in the first quarter of next year as we are putting together our systematic discipleship process and program so that we can help facilitate your growth. One of my concerns and one of my commitments has been around the idea that when somebody gives their life to the Lord, do we have a structured plan to help facilitate their discipleship, their maturity, their growth, to help them to grow once they come to know Jesus, help them to grow in their walk with the Lord so that they can help somebody else come to know the Lord. And man, we're working hard on that. And I want to thank publicly our executive team for joining me and not just praying, but in working to make this become a reality. Also want you to pray for the Sloans. Uh, Reverend and Sister Sloan uh, will be doing their commissioning service in the middle of November and they will be heading to Uganda. I uh, want you to be prayerful. Uh, those of you who are not part of our church family, those of you who would like to support them in the work, uh, you are welcome to do that. I encourage you to do that, to help them to take the gospel around the world. If you can't go around the world, then you can definitely live vicariously as you support them to take the gospel around the world, to train pastors and church leaders ministers and their spouses to encourage them so that they can encourage others in a contextualized fashion. And uh, the Sloans have felt led by God to go to uh, Uganda. They are the second full-time missionaries leaving our church. Man, I, I can't tell you how proud I am of that. Um, Lloyd and Jan Chin were the first. Um, they went to Ghana and now Lloyd and Jan are leaders over Africa for World Venture. Uh, the Sloans are now going to Uganda. Uh, we've planted four churches out of our church, sent two full-time missionaries to the field, and, uh, and then have had other pastors who came out of our church who are pastoring various churches around uh, the city, and we've had some who came through here as interns. Again, Man, we're just blessed and just honored that God has used our ministry in such a powerful way. And I want you to continue to pray for us, all right? Last but not least, remember God is doing something wonderful in you and God is doing something wonderful in me. And uh, man, the song said, it's done. So let's just rejoice in what God is doing. And even when we can't see God's hand, my late pastor, Dr. E.K. Bailey would say, even when you can't see God's hand, trust his heart and know that God is working all things out for your good. All right? God bless you, and God be with you is our prayer.
Many of you may not know who I am, so let me tell you a little bit about me. First, I'm a family man and an attorney. Second, I believe in holding elected officials accountable for their actions and in fiscal responsibility. And third, I am committed to making sure that Houston Community College reaches its full potential because that's what Houstonians expect and deserve. My name is Brandon Cofield and I'm running for Houston Community College trustee for District 3.